The following message is from Pahuska's First Baptist Church. Our prayer is that the Lord Jesus richly blesses you and uses this message to speak truth to your life. Good morning, church. It's so good to be uh, here with you. Um, you know, Jess and I have been getting together. We've been kind of planning this sermon series out. And uh, what we were really asking ourselves is, what is the church going to look like uh, after this? Is the church ever going to be the same? Are our lives ever going to get back to normal? What is going to be the new normal? You know, we were, we were thinking about it, and uh, I was personally thinking about just how the church throughout history, there's been all these events that have taken place where the church was never the same. And uh, I think that on the, the hind end of all this crisis, I believe that the church will never be the same. Um, that that what God is doing and revealing that the way we've done things may have not been as effective or there's new ways to do things and and just and just uh, how we've kind of seen a mini revival. I got to lead someone to Christ a, a couple weeks ago. Justin, Pastor Justin got to lead someone to Christ just this week. Um, and we're seeing this 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 revival happen where this this crisis, this uncertainty, these things that are going on um, within the world has created people's um, just desire to know uh, the truth. This desire to figure out what life is really about, or or, or just to ensure that that they are uh, going to end up in a place where they want to be whenever they pass away. So we're seeing this revival take place, and uh, we've been asking ourselves, what is it going to look like on the other side of this? What is our church going to look like on the other side of this? What's Pahuska and our community going to look like? And we're asking, will our personal lives ever be the same? Some of you have gone through um, major changes within your life, whether it be losing your job or, or, or something of that nature financially. Uh, we know that the, the economy and, and our country is in a crisis, and uh, we're just kind of at the beginning of that. We don't know what that's going to look like three months down the road, six months down the road, and just how much we're going to see uh, happen to our economy. So we're, we're kind of in this place of what is going to change, what has changed, um, and uh, asking ourselves, where are we going to be whenever all this is over? What is the church going to look like? And, and like I said, I was thinking about over the course of history and all these things that have happened within the church or, or just within uh, uh, the, the, the world that transformed and changed the church forever. Today we're going to be in the book of Acts, and, and last week we got to celebrate Easter. I thank Justin so much for the powerful message that he gave us, and it was amazing that he ended it with the fact that the resurrection was either the end of something or it was the beginning of something spectacular, something glorious, something wonderful. And truly, whenever we go through the, the Bible, we see that as Jesus was revealing himself, to his disciples and appearing to all those people, that really that started something big, something great, something grand. And then as we go into the book of Acts, seeing the beginning of the church, we see this amazing new thing happen. And the church was never the same after the resurrection. God's people were never the same after uh, Jesus Christ had revealed himself to them, after he had gave, given them the great commission and after the Holy Spirit came upon uh, the church. It, it, it's really neat to think about. 
And not only that, but even in you know more recent church history, we think about uh, times whenever the church was transformed by either a global crisis or uh, just innovation and technology. I think that the church will never be the same again because of the technology that we have now that we're actually communicating with right now. The internet, uh, the way we've been able to take social media and, and technology and use it to help further the gospel, the church will never be the same again. Uh, my ch- I've been sharing with uh, my church, uh, I've been sharing with Calvary um, that We've been able to help churches in Pakistan, underground churches in Pakistan. We've been able to help lead pastors through the Internet, through Skype, a closed country where we couldn't get in to share the gospel because of Muslim extremists. But now, because of the Internet, we're able to communicate with churches and to help pastors encourage them in the work of the ministry there, which would be impossible without technology and the Internet. So I think that what God is doing is He's, he's revealing this new tool, something that may have seemed you know, kind of uh, scary to the church, uh, technology, social media. Maybe it looked like a distraction. I think what God is doing is he's, he's revealing that this doesn't have to be just that. It can be a tool to be used for His glory and His purpose. And, and I think, you know, even back in, in church history, uh, at the turn, you know, uh, whenever, whenever the Bible was just in Latin, the Catholic Church kind of controlled that. Uh, a big change in technology was able to translate that and to mass produce it with the, the printing press. It totally transformed the church. It totally, totally transformed God's people. You had guys like Martin Luther, which sparked the Protestant Reformation, which wouldn't have happened if he didn't have the Bible in his own language. Um, and uh, be able to share with the people that, that, the, that they had lost the true meaning of God's word and, and that they was being abused and it was being manipulated. And that totally transformed the church, the Protestant Reformation. It transformed the way we um, worship God, the way we read the Word, the way we understand what God has called us to do. You know, as I was thinking about um, the fact that this this crisis is going to change the church forever, I kept going back to this passage in Acts chapter 2. And uh, if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn to Acts chapter 2. We're going to be in verses 42 through 47. This is one of my favorite passages in all of Scripture because what it does is is it, it reveals and lays out this amazing picture of the church. This is the, the, very, the very beginning of God's church, right? So what has happened up to this point is that... Uh, Peter uh, and the disciples, uh, the apostles, were gathered together in this upper room, and the Holy Spirit came. Remember that amazing, uh, that amazing picture of the Holy Spirit coming, and uh, just kind of sound like a rushing, roaring wind. So the Holy Spirit comes, and it empowers these frightened, this frightened people, this frightened, these frightened apostles of Jesus Christ. They had already witnessed Jesus Christ's resurrection. They had already been with Him in His teaching. But they were frightened. They weren't able to go out. In fact, Jesus said, don't go out until the Holy Spirit comes to you because you need the Holy Spirit to empower you to do the work of the church. So the Holy Spirit comes and and it's this amazing picture of how powerful the Holy Spirit is and how God uses that to give the the church power. And then we see uh, in in the next chapter uh, that that Peter preaches one of the most powerful sermons, most effective sermons that have ever been preached. 
Remember Peter, the one who denied Christ to the little servant girl, the one who was frightened, the one who didn't want to get out of the upper room, who didn't want to go out and see the world, who didn't want to be even recognized as a follower of Jesus Christ, the, that frightened apostle got up before all of these people and preached one of the most powerful sermons that the world has ever heard. In fact, it was the first sermon empowered by the Holy Spirit that the church had been able to speak, that the church had been able to hear. So he gets up and he shares this amazing, this amazing sermon. And we see that right then and there, 3,000 people came to know Christ that day. 3,000 people. I can't imagine what that looked like to, to preach a sermon and then have an invitation in 3,000 people right then and there accept Jesus Christ. And we see that that event changed the course of history, not just for the church, right? That was the beginning of the church, not just for the church, but for the world. That changed the course of history for the world. It was never the same again. It was never the same it was such a powerful thing that happened. And I love this picture in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47, because it literally is the perfect picture and portrait of what the body of Christ is supposed to be. And, I, and within my church, I've, I've tried to preach this. I've preached it probably you know, so much that it makes my, my congregation sick every time they hear it. Um, but it's, it's so important that we grab a hold of this picture in Acts chapter 2 of the, of the church. So let's read God's Word and this amazing example and portrait of what the church is supposed to be. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, God's word says this, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Would you pray with me? Dear Lord, thank you so much for your word. Lord, thank you for this amazing picture of your church. And Lord, that we get to be a part of it, Lord, that we can be examples of it. And Lord, I just ask that right now you would speak clearly to us through your word, that you would open our hearts and our minds to what you'd have to say to us, Lord, and that you would just be glorified in everything that's proclaimed and everything that is listened to. We thank you for this time that we get to come together under your word. It's in your son Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. So we see this amazing picture of the church and, and like I said, I think it's the perfect blueprint. You know, oftentimes as the church, we argue about things that aren't in the scripture. We argue about the way we do things and not really the meaning and the purpose uh, of why we do things. So I think that we can literally take these verses and we can plug it into our context, into where we are and, and try to emulate what is taking place here. Let's look what it says in verse 42. 
It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. I love this verse because really it kind of gives all of the examples of what the church should be, of what it should be trying to, to do whenever it comes together. It says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. The apostles' teachings was the word. Um, they didn't have the Bible and, and all this uh, uh, amazing things compiled together. They were, they were committed to the Old Testament, and then they were committed to the teachings of the apostles, which they received from the words of Jesus Christ and which they received from the Holy Spirit, which we now have conveniently in this binding right here. We have all of the apostles' teachings given to us right here in the Word of God. And it says that they were devoted to it. I love that it says devoted. I think that what the church needs is a new devotion to God's word. The church needs this powerful new devotion to what God would have us to do. And we'd learn that and know that through the living word of God. It's right here in front of us. So we have this picture of devotion. What were they devoted to? They were devoted to the apostles' teachings, right? The Word of God. They were devoted to the fellowship. And, and this word fellowship oftentimes kind of loses itself. Uh, oftentimes we have these understanding of these words. Fellowship to us is, you know, whenever the Baptists get together and they have some good food and they, they sit around laughing and joking together. But it was more than that. This word fellowship, this idea of true Christian community, this idea of a brotherhood, a family of believers. This, they were devoted to fellowship. They were devoted to one another. They were devoted to the community uh, of living in this community with one another. Devoted themselves, apostles' teachings, to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread into prayer. They were living life together. They were eating together, right? Fellowship, breaking of bread, and they were devoted to prayer. Now, I believe that what God is calling us to and what this crisis is going to lead to is a new profound devotion to God's Word, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And really what that looks like is just true Christian community. That we will be a witness to what God has done in our life, and the people around us are going to see that the Christians have been ignited into this new, this new love for one another, this new understanding of, of what it means to be in community, and people are going to be drawn to that. People are going to be drawn to that. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. In verse 43, it says, everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. I love this picture. It says, everyone was filled with awe. Now, this may just be me, but I don't think that I've been filled with awe at the work of the church over the last three years. Six years, ten years. In fact, I think that if you were to get a, uh, a consensus in, in our community, uh, in, in the, the United States, even in our world, people would look at Christians and say, they're, they're past, their time has passed. There's no need. They're, they'll look at, at what, what we believe in Jesus Christ, and, and it was almost like they could just walk by it and not be affected by it. I always joke with our church, I'm, I always tell them, I'm sick of and tired of people driving down 15th uh, Street, uh, 
15th and Lynn Avenue and, and, and not recognizing that there's a church building on the corner. That they can just ignore us. That they can ignore us. I'm sick of, in my life, that, that being a believer in Jesus Christ, that I can go about my life every day without ever having to even think about that sometimes. It's being ignored. There's not that sense of awe that I see pictured here. It says everyone was filled with awe. They were filled with wonder. They were, they were marveling at what was taking place in the church. They were marveling at the way the gospel was being spread. They were marveling at the way the gospel was being lived out. Not that it was just being preached on Sunday mornings in a church building, but that it was being lived out in their community. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. I want to see wonders. I want to see signs. Now, I'm not saying that we're going to go out and we're going to do the signs that the apostles did, but I do want to see God working mightily in the lives of people, which I've already been able to witness. I want to see alcoholics come to know Christ and completely turn away from that old life. I want to see drug addicts do the same. People who, who struggle with uh, gambling. I want to see their lives transformed. I want to see families who are broken and hurting completely turned around. I want to see fathers leading their families in the Word. I want to see uh, mothers loving their, their family and being supportive of their families in a way that we haven't seen in recent years. I don't want the church to ever be the same again. I want it to look like this. I want it to be radically transformed. And I want it to look like this. In verse 43, everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. In verse 44, now all the believers were together and held all things in common. What a picture of unity. All the believers were together, right? All the believers were together. There was no division. There was no, you know, we meet down here and they meet down there. There was none of that. They were all trying to live in Christian community together. And they were all meeting in their houses, really. They'd go to the temple and they'd, they'd, hear, they'd hear from the Torah. They'd hear from the, the, the priest. But what they were really, really doing was they were living life together and they were devoted to living church out together in their homes. Churches were in church homes. That's the picture that Acts has, right? There's actually a movement right now of, of home churches. Um, I knew a guy in, in Midwest City that had a home church and it was a beautiful thing. I got to attend attend. And it's really just a beautiful, natural picture of what is taking place here. And listen, what that reveals to me is there's a lot of things that we do as the church that aren't necessary for the further of God's kingdom, for the furthering of God's kingdom. We don't need big, massive buildings. We don't need a thousand classrooms. We don't need all of that. What we truly need is one another, and what we truly need is God's Word. That's what we need. It's such a simple and beautiful picture. And I think that that's what God is trying to, re to reveal to us in this time is that even though our church buildings are closed and, and they may be sitting empty and who knows for how long that may be, um, I think what we're, we're beginning to see is that you can literally not have a church gathering in a building, but we all understand that we are all gathering right now in God's word. And that the church is continuing to move forward. And people are coming to know Jesus Christ and they're being saved. And I think, wow, what an amazing 
picture that is for us. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. It says, Now the believers were together and held all things in common. Verse 45, They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. They were selling off their possessions so that they could give it to the church to distribute to all those who had need. We see a wonderful picture of generosity. Christian community should have the characteristic of great generosity. It should be the most ridiculous thing to the outside world. Man, they look at Christians and they go, man, Christians really give. Man, Christians really give of themselves. They give of their time. They give of their money. They give everything for Jesus Christ, for one another, for his body. That should be a great picture of the church. And we're going to see that all of these things act as a witness to those outside of the church, to those outside of the community. And not only that, it was the primary evangelism tool that Christ had given us. Christ's primary evangelism tool wasn't just the words of our mouth. It was the condition of our hearts that led to the actions that we live out. It was this community it was to be drawing. Listen, our church should be a drawing church. People should want to come in and be a part of our community. Not because of the building we're in, not because of the sign outside, not because of the, the programs or the ministries we do. The church should be drawn, or, the, or the, the people outside the church should be drawn to the church because of the way we interact and we live with one another. That's what's drawing that we have something that they don't have, true community where people love each other and give of one another. They sold their possessions and property and distributed proceeds to all as any had need. Verse 46, Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts. So they go to the temple every day. They'd go back to their houses and enjoy one another's company. Amazing picture of the church. And in and verse 47, it says, Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. What a picture that is, that, that the church was looked at as favorable, that in society, in their culture, even though, you know, it looked kind of odd and weird, they were, they were considered, you know, this amazing thing that's taking place. They were looked on with favor. Uh, people were kind of drawn to it, were drawn to the church. It says, every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Every day, those, every day it says the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. And I truly believe that it wasn't just because they were standing on the corners preaching the word. They were doing that. The apostles were doing that, surely. But I believe that the reason the church grew and took off so much is because they were living their faith out in a genuine way. They were living their faith out in a way that they couldn't hide it. They were living their faith out in a way where people were never the same after witnessing it. And I truly believe that God is trying to bring us back to the, thing, the way things were, right? The church was never the same again after this. But I think sometimes we drift away and we, we get distracted into um, the way we've always done things. 
And uh, the way we always do things has added a lot to this. Um, I think that our traditions and, and the way we've met have kind of not just, I, I think it's taken away from this, this very simple image and picture. And I think what God's trying to call us to do is to go back and to think about the way we do things and to say, Lord, is this truly the way that you would have us be the church? Is this truly the way that you want us to live in Christian community where we only meet for an hour on Sunday mornings in a building and we do the same thing every Sunday and etc. so on. I think that what God is doing is he's revealing that he works in many, many different ways and that the church should be able to adapt to the culture around us to be most effective for the gospel. So, there's five things I want to point out from this passage. Um, five ways the church was never the same. The first way is this, is that they were filled with awe and they witnessed wonders and signs. They were filled with awe. I, I talked about this as we went through the passage together. They were filled with awe. If there's one thing that I want from this crisis is that whenever people witness the church and the acts of the church within the crisis and after the crisis, that people would be filled with awe at what God has done. That the church will never be the same again. That we'll never slip back into complacency. That we'll never go back and, and be able to go through a church service and not have any sense of awe in our life. But that every time that we come together, we witness this gathering of believers we witness the power of the Word of God as it's preached. We witness the, the amazing thing that it is to come together and to fellowship and to worship God in song. And that we're filled with awe again. That we feel the Holy Spirit working around us. And we know that God is there with us. The church should never be the same. We should never go back to the way things were. We should always be filled with awe after this on the on the hind end of this that's number one they were filled with awe second way is this is that they were unified five ways the church was never the same i hope that we are unified more than ever i hope that we no longer look at who's down the street and what the, the church down the street is doing that we're actually a part of what they're doing i hope that the churches in our community could come together and be united in a way that they've never been united before that, they, that we would hold all things in common, that the, the power and the work of the church would be together, that we'd be doing life together in a community. I think we're past the time of working against one another. We're past the time of individually trying to do what we think God is leading our church to do. We need to be a part of the big mission, the big vision, the big view that God has, and be a part of the work together to be unified in a way that we haven't seen in our lifetime. Churches helping churches. Churches not just helping one another, but being a part of the work of God together. And what that looks like is not to, just, to, to be looking at our churches, but to be kingdom-minded. Lord, what is best? What works for your glory the most for your kingdom and its growth? How can we work together for the glory of you and for what's best in this community? They were unified. And I believe that 
that's what God wants to do through this is to unify us in a way that we've never seen before. The third thing that the church was the third way that the church was never the same was this is that they were loving and generous. That they were loving and generous. Look what it says in uh, verse 45. It says they sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. My prayer is that the church doesn't isn't looked at I, I've seen this before. I've heard this before from mouths of people. I've seen it on Facebook. I've seen it in, in, on the internet that the church is looked at as hoarders of wealth. That pastors are living luxurious lifestyles and that they, they, they are, are, are taking advantage uh, of people and they're not giving of themselves and they're not living generously. They're in these very comfortable buildings. They have these very comfortable wages. I hope that through this, our love and generosity will be seen once again. And that we that acts as a testimony to those around us. That we're not just hoarding wealth, but we're using it and distributing it for the purpose of the kingdom. In a mighty way. And that God would convict each and every one of us of what we're doing with our finances. So that we can be a part of something big and grand and wonderful that God wants us to do and be a part of. They were loving and generous. Another way they were never the same. Number four is that they were devoted to the word, to gathering and doing life together. There was never a devotion to the word like there was in this picture. Before this, they were probably just going back to check off the, the, the box that they went to the temple. It's what they did. They went at the same time every day. It was just this tradition that they were doing. Um, especially if you're a Pharisee or a Sadducee, you're just checking off your religious check mark. My prayer is, is that there's a new devotion in the church. There's a new devotion to the word that we've never seen before. That we spend time in the word, not just to check off our check mark to say, oh yeah, I did my quiet time. Now if the pastor asks me, I can go ahead and say that I've done it. I don't want that. I want you to spend time in the Word because you are starving for the words of God. That you are starving for what God is calling you to do and what God is calling you to be. That's what I desire. That's what God desires. He wants a devotion to His Word. He wants you to live out His Word. To, to live off of it and to live it out. That's what God is calling us to do. And I hope that the church never goes back to the way it was. I hope my life never goes back to the way it was. I hope it's never the same again. I hope that we have a new devotion to the word, uh, a new devotion to gathering. I hope that this time away from one another, this time uh, apart from one another, I hope that we have a new devotion to church gatherings. Not just to check off our Sunday school list, not just to check off our church role list, and who knows what that's going to look like on the end of this, but that we have a new devotion to gathering in true Christian community and, and a new devotion to the Word and spending time with one another. And I truly think that that's going to look a lot different on the, on the other side of this. They're talking about how this is going to be kind of a gradual thing where we come back together. And listen, church, we may not be able to gather together as the, the whole body of Christ for quite some time. But maybe what that looks like is we gather in each other's homes. A group of five, six, seven, maybe. Less than ten, obviously. 
Maybe that's what it looks like. Maybe we have a new devotion to this idea of small groups. Maybe we have this new devotion and I, uh, to, to this idea of living in Christian community. As, as families come together, maybe one, two, three families come together and they become this rock-solid group where they can lean on one another. Because I truly think that is what the picture of the church is. That's what's going to be a witness to neighbors. That's what's going to be a witness to the community is that the Duns, is that the attorneys are meeting together in their homes and, and they're leading their families together in the word and, and they're, 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 they're sharing their hearts with one another. And, and, and if one of them's struggling financially, they come alongside them and help them through it. And there's just just beautiful picture of that. Something that probably can't be accomplished in the big church, right? I love one of our little kids saying that we're going to go to big church. I don't know if that's really what we need to go back to. We need to go back to small church. We need to go back to what God is desiring us to do. And I'm not saying we're going to get rid of corporate worship. I'm not saying that. But I do believe what God is trying to to show us is that we're missing something very crucial and important and making things small and making things small. They were devoted to the word, to gathering and doing life together. I hope we never get back to the point where we are just checking off our attendance on a Sunday morning. I hope that this sparks a new Christian movement of true Christian community. I believe that that's what God is trying to show us. I hope the church is never the same. Another way that the church was never the same that I desire for our churches is that they were sharing the gospel and people were being saved. They were sharing the gospel. Look what it says in verse 47. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Every day. Every day. What an amazing picture of church growth. We always talk about numbers in the church. They probably weren't thinking about numbers. They were just living life together, and it was happening. They were just doing what God had called them to do, and, and people were coming to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I think that I think about all the times that I've spent in meetings over the last who, who knows how long of trying to think of creative ways to be evangelistic, creative ways to uh, get people to attend a worship service, or creative ways to do ministry. Oh, well, this isn't effective. This hasn't worked. We're not seeing any fruit of this. Uh, we're missing the point. What God is showing us is that we have a perfect blueprint and image of what church evangelism is supposed to look like. Church evangelism is supposed to li look like living out your calling, living out what God has called us to do as the body of believers, and it's literally being devoted to the Word, devoted to fellowship, and devoted to what God has called us to be. This unification, this, this, this unity. And I think that we're going to see revival if we would just adopt these principles above everything else. Above everything else. They were sharing the gospel, and people were being saved. Within the last two weeks, Justin and I have been able to lead two people to Christ. I was telling my wife uh, just, just a month ago, man, I was like, man, I don't remember the last time. Three people. Three people to Christ. I was telling my wife just a few months ago, I was like, man, I don't remember the last time I led anybody to Christ. And I got really disheartened by it thought, man, what's wrong with me? 
but we see that God is moving and it looks different. We think that, you know, because the churches are shut down, there shouldn't be anything happening, but God is moving in a mighty way, in a mighty way right now in the hearts of people. I think there's going to be a lot of people over the coming months be saved. I look forward to whenever we all come back together again and we hear about everyone that has come to Christ and we see the new faces. I look forward to, to coming back again and, and because we haven't been able to meet, you didn't know that so-and-so got saved. They just showed up on Sunday morning and they're getting baptized. It should be shocking. We should be, be, be in awe and filled with wonder at what God is doing. At what God is doing. And it's all about living out this picture of what it means to be the church. And listen, church, I hope we never are the same. I hope we're never the same. I hope we never go back to the way we've always done things. I hope we never go back to that. I hope what God does now within this time sparks a revival like we've never seen before. I hope what God does now sparks something so new and so fresh and so revitalizing that the people in our community are blown away at the work of the church and what God is doing. I hope the church is never the same. Just as the church was never the same throughout history, whenever these major events happened, I hope our churches are never the same. Would you pray with me? Dear Lord, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for all that you've done for us, Lord. Lord, I just ask and pray that you would spark revival. Lord, that you would, even now, in this video, in this message, Lord, that you would begin working on hearts of people to draw them to yourself, Lord. Lord, those who are believers, Lord, that you would spark this new sense of awe and wonder, Lord, and this desire to meet with one another, not to go back to the way we've always done things, but to yearn for something bigger, to yearn for something new. And Lord, I just pray that if there's anyone listening right now that is not a believer, that does not know you, that isn't a part of Christian community, Lord, I pray that you would draw them with your spirit. Lord, work mightily. And Lord, be with us through this uh, crisis. Be with us through this pandemic, Lord. In sickness and health, Lord, we want you to be glorified in all things. And Lord, we know that you can turn bad things into good things. And Lord, we know and trust that you are working in our midst. And it's not our position to question that, Lord, but to just rest and know that you're working for your glory and your purposes even now. Lord, I pray for our churches. I pray for our community, Lord. I pray that you would bless them, that you would help them financially, Lord, that you'd help them to um, realize their need and trust in you and that you will provide in all things, Lord. Lord, revive us. Lord, forgive us. Lord, help us to give glory and honor to you in all things. Lord, we thank you so much. We pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much for being with us this morning. Um, I just want to, again, extend that invitation. If you're struggling, if you're, if you're in financial hardship, you don't know where to turn, if you're, you're struggling with depression or, or anything that's so common and prevalent right now, Lord, or, or, or I just ask that you would, you, you would 
reach out to us, that you'd send us a message on Facebook, uh, text us, call us, whatever you need to do to find help. I want, I want to, to let you know that we're here for you and we want to point you in the direction of Jesus Christ because that's the direction that you need to head. We look forward to, to seeing you again uh, next week and uh, thank you so much again for being with us. Guys, thank you again so much for joining us this morning. What an incredible, powerful message from Pastor Caleb. Uh, just encouraging us as a church to be different. Once Christ comes into our lives, he begins a, a transformation in us. And that's not just true of us individually, but true of us collectively. And uh, so I, I hope the Spirit of God has given you so much to chew on, on those, those five different ways that the early church was different, uh, the ways that God is calling us to be different. I hope that you are blessed and encouraged to to be transformed in, in your devotion to the Word, your devotion to one another, the unity that we have in each other, uh, the generosity that we share in, in many of those other areas. Uh, I want to encourage you, be sure to share this to your own personal page. Um, help us to reach people with the gospel that are currently not within our sphere of influence, but they are within your sphere of influence. And I love how Pastor Caleb framed it last week, that, that when you share these messages, you are sharing the gospel with people. You are giving them an opportunity to hear the gospel. And I want to encourage you to take that even a step further. Uh, if you notice some of your friends watching on your page or commenting, make contact with them, ask them uh, or encourage them uh, to share with you what they liked about it, what they got out of it, and uh, continue and further the conversation. And let's help drive and point people to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because really, at the end of the day, that's what it's all about the gospel, the kingdom of God, and, and advancing that. And so uh, thank you so much for being faithful, for doing that. Uh, we want to encourage you to uh, remember that the church is not a building. I, I think we're pretty well getting the grasp of that in the middle of this. But we are a body of Christ. We are a unified gathering of people. And we do life together. Have a blessed week. And we'll see you tomorrow morning as we pick up on the devotionals. Thank you again for listening to this message. Please feel free to share this message. And also, if you're listening on iTunes, please rate and review our podcast. Thank you, and may Jesus bless you in His grace.